Welcome back to episode 146 of the Woman of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to chat everything Marvel and more. Today we're bringing you a special Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 episode. We've got a sleuth of amazing uh, interviews with our own Christine Din. So with no further ado, check it out. Hi. Hi, how's it going? Good. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to the Woman of Marvel podcast. Of course. Um, so what I really loved about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 was the diverse cast of women who all yeah. really had different strengths and who built and challenged each other. Um, can you share how you know like the rest of the cast inspired and challenged you and what it was like returning for the second film? So, um, yeah, it was really great uh, coming back uh, for the second time around, um, especially to more women in the cast. That was pretty great. I mean, with the addition of Mantis, played by Palm Clement F., um, it was really great. I feel like we have such a diverse group of women in the film now. I mean, there's Nebula and Gamora, and they're sort of trained, um, violent assassins, but they're also very broken people that need to try and heal each other. Um, so they have strengths and weaknesses, which is very important to see in the women characters. And then Tom's character, Mantis, is like this funny little bug creature that's not necessarily as kick-ass um, as, as the other women, but she's got her own strengths, and they're sort of more cerebral, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and she can definitely, uh, you know, help someone like Ego sleep. <laughs> What, sorry? <laughs> that she can uh, have the strength to help someone who is as giant oh, and yes. strong, as powerful as egos, you know. Yeah, believe. and it's cool because we see her find the moment of strength as well because she doesn't believe in herself and then mm-hmm. people express belief in her and then she finds it. So it's cool to see that. Yeah, and um, amazing thing about this film was that it really centers on the message of family. And, yes. you know, we actually learn about the physical toll it took um, on Nebula to have a father and Thanos. Um, Mm-hmm. So how do, have you seen Nebula just change and grow uh, from the first film? And the what first was film it like was kind to... of uh, this evil supervillain, kind of watching from the sidelines. We hinted at her relationship with her sister mm-hmm. and uh, how bad it was, but we never really um, explored it. Um, but then in the second movie, we uh, very much explore it in depth. And, uh, and it's, it's great to find out exactly what happened to Nebula and Gamora when they were kids and how awful it was for Nebula um, and how Gamora has affected her um, throughout the whole thing. And, um, yeah, we just, I think we'll develop some sympathy towards Nebula, which is unexpected. Yeah, and, you know, we see uh, her very more vulnerable. I mean, she still has, like, a chip on her shoulder. But mm-hmm. why do you think um, Nebula pushes Gamora... Um, to really challenge her and let her see how you guys were as kids. I think it's important for um, Nebula to make sure that Gamora knows how much pain she may have caused her in their childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Gamora and Thanos caused a lot of pain to Nebula, um, and she wants them to know about it. And I think that's a pretty valid reaction, actually, yeah. <laughs> because she's dealing with some form of abuse, actually, from her family. And... Um, and I think that she wants revenge, and she wants it to be acknowledged and spoken about, and she wants to be heard, and that seems pretty natural. Yeah, and I think just seeing the relationship 
play out on screen will really, um, you know, hit with the fans uh, really strongly. I hope so. Um, I definitely feel like me and Zoe got so invested in the story and the connection between these two characters. So I really hope that other people do as well. Yeah, and then, um, so, you know, your character actually interacts with the Guardians a lot more in this film. Mm-hmm. You know, like, what, uh, how do you think Nebula perceives the Guardians and their interactions with each other and their dysfunctions? I think she thinks they're all idiots. <laughs> um, she's not very, she's, she's a bit of a reluctant Guardian, or so she says. Like, I think she would like to be accepted into the family, but she would never admit that. Um, I think she doesn't really get their humor at all. Um, yeah. I think she has one clear agenda, which is to make Gamora understand the pain that's been caused to her and then get revenge on Thanos. Mm-hmm. And um, for Nebula, she really demonstrates, you know, a lot of badass and powerful action scenes throughout the film. What mm-hmm. was it like to physically train for Nebula? It was great. I mean, um, yeah, ever since the first movie, I've just been working out, which I never did before the movie. <laughs> and um, it's been great. I mean, I've learned so many fighting skills and combat and also just do a lot of stunts now, which is cool. They're really scary for me, but then the stunt doubles come in and make me look much better than I am. Now, you looked really awesome on screen. Thank you very much. <laughs> so I really loved, you know, like your past roles as Amy Pond and in Selfie. Thanks. How did you prepare for this role in Nebula, you know? She is really devoid of joy and hope, which is the complete opposite of who you are and your past characters. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, what did you um, Yeah, she was a bit of a departure for me, but that's exactly what attracted me <laughs> to the role because um, I love playing characters that I have to transform to be able to play mm-hmm. um, and that are removed from myself because I don't really want to be one of those actors that just plays extensions of themselves. Right. So um, <laughs> it was cool to just do something completely different. I mean, she sounds different, she moves differently, she looks different. Mm-hmm. Um, that's exactly what I want as an actor. Yeah, and well, you know, like, she is also very crabby. Like, are there memories or annoyances that you keep in the back of your mind to know how to channel? Uh, um, <laughs> I think, like, getting four hours of prosthetics is good <laughs> to get oh, me in yeah. the zone. Uh, that um, that kind of puts me in the nebula headspace, and then I just kind of... <laughs> I dip in and out of it. I'm not one of those people that stays in character all day. I can mm-hmm. just dip in and out, and it's, I feel like it's quite nice to do that rather than having a heavy day. Yeah. Um, so we know that, you know, Nebula will be returning for more actions and adventures. Um, what else would you like to explore with her? Oh, there's so many things. I mean, I, the thing that attracted me to the role in the first place was her relationship with Gamora and being that overlooked sibling. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something I feel like I can really grab onto and, and run with. So I really hope that we can explore that further. Maybe start to see her relationship with Gamora heal a little bit. But also I want them to maintain how violent it is because I really enjoy it when they almost kill each other all the yeah. time. Well, I do love how to see it's like, you know, even though, you know, they, they are working towards repairing that, that they still have this, you know, like competitiveness between them. Yeah, because they've been doing that since they were little kids. So it's kind of in their bones now and it's pretty enjoyable to watch. Yeah, and I know that, you know, with Nebula, she has this really, she's dead set on, you know, challenging Thanos. Do you think she would take that on alone, or would she invite Gamora on with her? I think that she would stop at nothing to achieve that goal. So whether that means bringing people on board or doing it alone, like, it doesn't matter. That's my opinion. Um, so I know, like, the cast is very humorous like, on screen. Uh, can you share what it was like behind the scenes? Like, if there's any favorite moments on set with the cast? Um, I mean, it, I mean, it's exactly like you'd imagine it, it would be. Um, 
truly, like, everybody's really nice and so humorous. We have so many funny people in the yeah. chat. Um, Chris is obviously hilarious and always joking around and sets a lovely tone for everybody. And then we have Michael Ruger, who's mental and will just, like, moon people and stuff. I mean, there's just <laughs> stuff happening daily. Yeah. Um, and one last question for us. Um, what do you want Marvel fans to take away from after seeing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2? Um, I think that one of the main themes is family and um, broken family relationships and how to repair them. Um, and that is the one thing that I think the film really achieves and I think something that everyone can connect to in some capacity. So I hope that they have a good laugh and they enjoy the soundtrack and also take away a good message about family. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. All right. Bye. Cheers, bye. So what I really loved about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is that the presence of you know, four incredibly strong women. Can you share with us how Gamora has evolved since the first film and how this community of diverse women with different strengths have inspired her? Um, I mean, her evolution entails, like, I, I don't think it's fun for Gamora. She, she went from being a, a runaway to now, like, mothering all these, all these like, <laughs> misfits and keeping them focused and, and keeping them from killing each other uh, or killing our, our, all of us. Um, and I think deep, deep down she finds it quite charming because she never really had a family, so now she's, she's happy that she found people that, that she loved, you know, and that they accept her for who she is. Um, I, you know, I, I like that because I think that... I can only imagine that what Gamora Nebula went through growing up with a father like Thanos is probably unimaginable, you know? And um, so a great deal of, I've always had a great deal of empathy for her and Nebula. Uh, and that served me as the justification as to why she felt to be selfish in the first movie, where she just didn't care about anybody, she just wanted to get away. And now it's sort of like the opposite. There's there's a nurturing side to her, and it, and it's coming from the selflessness that is growing within her, and it's also compelling her to try to make amends with her sister. Yeah, and that's um, you know the, the biggest theme from the film is you know the, the meaning of family and how you know you don't have to be blood to be related and care for them. Um, and we see this really huge dynamic change between Gamora and Nebula. Um, what can fans expect to take away from this portrayal since I know we see a different side to both Gamora and Nebula? Um, that they're strong, they're super badass, but they're, they're also, um, they're damaged, you know? <laughs> and they have to find a way to, to, to deal with these unresolved issues that they both seem to have and it continuously surfaces, you know, on both of them. <laughs> Well, you know, it's hard having Thanos as the father. <laughs> Are you kidding me? It must suck so bad. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think uh, the scenes that you have with Mantis have, were hilarious and great. And, you know, Gamora has this whole tough exterior. She keeps, like, emotions to herself. What do you think she was afraid to reveal to her teammates, uh, you know, like, who become close to her as a family? I bet she's really afraid and she's very vulnerable, you know? I, I think that um, she spent a great deal of time on her own and, and trying to survive and not get killed by all the other siblings that Thanos would put at her. And Nebula probably just was her only match. 
and she had to fight to death, you know, to, to survive because it was either kill Debbie or have Debbie like kill you. So I feel like she just she was carrying a great deal of guilt, you know, and, and pain. And I think that she doesn't want to show that because she feels it may be a sign of weakness. Yeah, and I think uh, you know she is very strong and. Um, and I feel like she does keep the whole team together. Uh, yes, it's, it's, trust me, it's the most boring <laughs> task. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, I want to be the funny one. I want to have all the jokes. But now I've seen the movie for a second time, and it's like you needed, you needed a straight man in the movie. Yeah, and I also love how maternal your character was with Baby Groot, <laughs> always making sure that he was, you know, keeping out of trouble. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. You know, especially with the Guardians become this family that uh, the more can have with, you know, Thanos and Nebula, we see her getting more comfortable with the rest of the Guardians and meshing well. Um, what can fans expect from this dynamic changes with Peter Quill? Um, you mean the dynamic between Peter and Gabora? Yeah. That it's real. Their, their dynamic is... is uh, is driven by just a great deal of respect and empathy. I think that he really feels bad for the fact that she had a really messed up childhood and and she feels the same way about him. Yeah, I, I mean, I think uh, everyone on the team has a uh, hard, hard coming together and I think that's why the team works so well because you both, I mean, you all, fill this void for each other. Yes. That's exactly it. We are we're we're bound by we're codependent. <laughs> we all have a codependent relationship. It's quite dysfunctional, but it works for us. <laughs> um, so we also know that the guardians are gonna return again. Um, you're killing it with the stunts. Uh, you're the, you have the most badass combat skills and knife skills. Uh, what other storylines and character aspects would you like to explore with Gamora? Would I like Gamora to explore? Mm-hmm. I think I would want her... I, I think I would want her to sort of, you know, address what happened with her father. <laughs> and and if and I would want her to look for any, any people of her own if they're out there, because her potatoes decimated her planet and took her as, as a keepsake. So I would be I would be curious to 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 want to find others like me. Do you think that uh, Gamora would join Nebula on her mission? I think if I ever learned that she's in danger, I I may I would want to for sure to try to sort of pay back everything that I took from her. I guess. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, thank you so much for your time. I know that. Uh, our time's running up, um, but thank you so much. And is there anything uh, else you want to impart to Marvel fans? Thank you, thank you so much, guys. I love, I love you, all you fans. Thank you for your support. It's because of you that we came back for a volume three, a uh, volume two, and we're to come back hopefully for a volume three. So we hope you enjoy Guardians of the Galaxy volume two. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye. Have a good rest of your day. You too. Bye. Marvel podcast. Oh, great. Yeah, it's Marvel, so I feel at home. <laughs> <laughs>
uh, yeah, and especially since um, you just joined the Marvel family, can you tell us what yes. it's like joining us and what has the experience been like for you? What? Sorry. Oh, like, um, what has the experience been like joining the Marvel family? Oh, incredible. I mean, I have such, you know, an amazing time on set. And with uh, yesterday, we had the premiere, you know, in L.A. It was really incredible. I had to pinch myself. Uh, you know, working with James Gunn is such a, such a gift. You know, he's such a genius and he's such... He has such a big heart, it's, uh, you know, and he, he creates such interesting uh, characters. I think you really care, uh, you really care about them, you know. And um, and working with uh, the whole team, you know, Chris Pratt, uh, he's, you know, so sweet, he's, he's the nicest guy. <laughs> um, Zoe, she's amazing too, and Karen, and, uh, and Dave, and, you know, I love them all. So, you know, I'm, I really can't wait to shoot the next uh, movie with them too. Yeah, that's so exciting. And... Um, what's been really great about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is that this film showcases such a diverse cast of women who are all mm -hmm. strong and kick-ass in their own ways. And um, can you share like what it was working with Zoe and Karen um, and how they inspired you or like did they give you any advice on what it was like to be part of the cinematic universe? I mean, it's been really great. You know, when I, when I went to the table read, I thought that maybe, I don't know, you never know, you know, sometimes there is a competition in between you know, between girls, and not like that at all, you know, but some girls are a bit weird. So it's like, oh, maybe this is it, you know. Yeah. But it was the, the most, you know, amazing, you know, like uh, girl girlhood, I mean, how do you say that? I, no, but it's true, you know, like, you know, she was, she's like the big, the big sister, you know, uh, Zoe and Karen, she's just a goof ball and you know we just have have so much fun you know mm -hmm. and they were like really welcoming and they're really happy to have another female character uh, with them you know yeah and I think uh, what was really great about the movie is that you know like you all are all badass but what you guys brought to the table was so different um, yeah completely and especially and we need that you know we yeah. need diversity we need characters who are not perfect and you know I mean Nebula and Gamora they're like badass and strong I mean they, they in the in the second movie you see you see why they they act that way and you see all this you know what they they went through and how they suffered and it's really beautiful and uh, but also you know my character is like completely different she's more weird and awkward and uh, and, and cute in a way more like innocent and it's it's nice to have uh, to see different versions of you know of being a woman and it's uh, amazing and I know that I'm um, really happy about that and uh, it's you know thanks to James too yeah your character is hilarious and awesome and I love how she um, has this whole rapport with Drax um, yeah it's cute yeah and then, so I know like when we were first introduced to Mantis she kind of has this subservient role to Ego and I know she's been kind of lonely on this planet by herself, mm -hmm. and I think that that's what contributes to her innocence. Um, mm -hmm. And it really makes her power as an um, empath really powerful. What do you think it was like for uh, Mantis to be exposed to the Guardians and interacting with them and kind of learning new emotions from, from them? Because, you know, like a lot of these things she's never felt before. Yeah, but it's interesting because, you know, she, she didn't have the most, you know the most enchanting uh, uh, childhood for sure you know I think she, she suffered too and she felt pretty lonely and she you know I mean you know the, the person that she grew up with was like not the best yeah. and you know like, you know meeting the guardians and uh, you know it opened a new world to her and it opened her heart too and you know she 
she uh, dis- discovered that you know it's possible to 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 love someone to be loved and you know the 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 sensation of being part of a family you know and it's what is beautiful about this movie too it talks about family and uh, the relationship father uh, son and sisters and uh, you know the the family that you create you know not the family that is your blood but you know the 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 family you know the friends and you know all that. Do you think uh, having her kind of being included in this whole family dynamic, um, do you think it'll help her, you know, grow her powers, um, like, over time? Oh, yeah, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So how did you prepare for the roles? You know, like, we know that Mantis has this long comic book history. Um, What did you do to, like, what did you um, use to adapt for this role? Um, you know, like, you know, like, like James Gunn says, you know, when he writes uh, alien characters, it's, he doesn't write alien characters. I mean, yes, but also he makes them human, you know, as human as possible, and it's how he can connect to them. And um, I think it's what Mantis is, you know. She's really, you know, emotional, and uh, and it's what is beautiful about it, you know. There's, like, something raw um, about it. Um I don't know, you know, like I prepared, like I brought some, you know, she's alien, but she's also a bit like a bug, so, you know, like the position of my hands, um, it's like I'm, I'm cleaning my, my hands like, you know, like a, a fly would do, or an insect in a way, uh, you know, like, you know, Mr. Burns and the Simpsons, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it looks like he's always uh, plotting something, and I thought it would be cool, you know? And, I mean, like, you know, when she appears at first, you're like, is she good, is she bad? It's, you know, it's kind of weird. And with the black eyes, you're, it's like you can't really connect with her soul, like, what's happening, you know, behind the, the black eyes. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know. And, and maybe in the way I, I speak, too, I speak, like, in a little bit weird way. I'm kind of like, I don't know. Not at all. It just, it just, it just like, came, came naturally, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know, like, from no. the past interviews, you, um, you really are drawn to, like, you want to play alien characters. Um, what is it about aliens that really connects to you? Like, I mean, I mean, no, I, I never like always wanted to play. I was never obsessed with playing an, an alien character, you know. But uh, yeah, I, of course, I wanted. It was my dream to be in a Marvel movie, and I wanted to have superpowers. And yeah, to be an alien, an alien, I thought it was cool, you know. And um, I don't know. It's it's fun, you know. It's it's fun to play these characters because it's not like a biopic, you know. You can't. You don't have to do like something that existed before. You can't really have fun and just. You know, invent something, and there is it just you know it happens in space. So you know, yeah, just, there is so much freedom too. Completely, and I know that um, you know what's really awesome is that we see all this diversity for women, and how you know you can be strong command without uh, showing physical prowess. But I know from your past roles, you know you've trained in martial arts. Is this something that you'd want a man to explore, in, like in future films? No, but it's funny that you say that because, you know, I was training like crazy before before I got the role and I thought that I would have to do, um, you know, to fight in it when I saw the comic books and then I read the script and I was like, uh, where is the action? And I was like, oh, maybe I'm going to have some action. I'm going to, 
I'm going to try, I'm going to train and, you know, I'm going to ask for some action that actually never happened, you know. Well, but you it's, uh, like it's actually, superhero I think it's actually more interesting, you know. Mm-hmm. People would expect that I'm going to do action and ki- kill everybody with, like, taekwondo, but <laughs> no. So, yeah, I'll do that maybe in another movie or maybe she's going to learn some, you know, it would be cool too. I don't know, we'll see. I just trust James, you know? Yeah. So what else would you want uh, Mantis to explore in, like, future Guardian stories? Like, are there other storylines or, like, even emotions that you want her to be exposed to? Um, yeah, I did, like, some different stuff also in uh, uh, Avengers, you know? So mm-hmm. I've explored some different stuff already. But, uh, you know, I just trust James with that, you know? Yeah. That's it. You know, he's the, he's the best, so I just trust him. <laughs> Uh, can you give us any hints to the Avengers, like your role in the Avengers film? No, I can't. <laughs> I'm not allowed to. <laughs> I know, though. I, cool. I know you're like Marvel family, but still. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely understand. <laughs> so when, you know, fans watch the, the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, what do you want them to take away from your character, or even from the movie in general? Yeah, it's, it's hard to say, you know, because, you know, the, the way I see the character and the way I lived it, mm-hmm. people like, have different interpretations and have different, they, the character touches them in different ways. So I don't really know, you know? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of the fans will definitely be surprised about the humor and a sincere role. Um, but you know what? I just hope, like, for the little girls, just if they like the character, just to to be to be okay with being imperfect, you know, for with imperfection and not just oh, you have to be, you know, you have to be the the cool, perfect, badass girl and strong, you know, to to be to you know diversity. Yeah. yeah. And I think um, you know it's really awesome with this, you know, being your first role. Uh, and you get to, you know, display your powers, and you can really have a profound impact on the rest of the Guardians. Um, what has been your most favorite moment on your first film with us? Um, I, you know, like everyone asks me this question, but I, I don't really remember one favorite moment, you know? I mean, like, of course, like the, the first day was special because it was... Uh, it was one of the most important scenes in the movie with uh, me uh, and Drax, and it was one of the scenes that I, I rehearsed the most with James and uh, with uh, with Dave and with uh, that I did uh, at the audition at the screen test. And you know, when I when I was sitting on the on the on the stairs, you know, to do the the scene, you know, it's just oh my god, this is happening, you know, it's crazy. Well, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know for this film, your you know your main mission or goal for your character, for Mantis, was just to you know help your master uh, ego rest. So in upcoming films, do you think that now that she has more agency, what would her mission be? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what is going to be my mission. I'm just like part of the family now, so we'll see. Well, Ask James. You can save the, uh, the galaxy and the universe a lot of times. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Hello. Hi, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to the Woman of Powerful podcast. 
Oh, my pleasure. Um, so welcome to the Marvel family. Can you share with us um, what has your experience been like now that you're that you've joined us for our your first film? <laughs> you're making it sound like a cult. Um, <laughs> I feel very accepted. I feel very accepted. Um, uh, it's been a really incredible experience. I mean, part of the amazing, um, you know, the amazing part of the experience in a funny way is promoting it and seeing how people respond to it. And I guess my first taste of that was last year at Comic-Con, and I'd never really experienced anything like the like the joy and the hype around the movie in that Hall H panel. And, you know, last night sitting, sitting there at the premiere and and feeling everybody around me sort of loving the film so much. It's been a really remarkable thing to be a part of as an actor. But in terms of making the film, it was so much fun. And James is such a wonderful director, and the cast is such beautiful people and super talented. And, you know, it's always a bit scary as an actor going into a sequel because... You know, I just was, was speaking to Kurt Russell about it. You don't you don't want to be the link that you know screws something up, and and so there's, it was slightly intimidating. But but everybody certainly put me at ease very quickly, and and I loved playing her. I think she's fun and really interesting, juicy part. So. Yeah. Um, so you know, her source material. She's like an incredibly powerful being. Um, what was it like when James offered you the role, and how did you prepare for Aisha? Well, when James offered me the role, I um, did a little dance for joy. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he's such a... I mean, James has such a contagious enthusiasm for the, the project, and he cares so deeply about the characters, and he loves all the characters so so much and he's so much a part of the evolution of these characters so you really you know you trust James so so hugely with you know with the character and what he's going to write for her and where it's going to go and where he could take her and all those kinds of things so that was always really exciting for me and mm. I suppose Aisha was so clear on the page the way he had written her she she kind of really resonated with me and I suppose I was interested by the juxtaposition of someone so powerful but so so fragile and human in a, in a way you know and and she's really she's really doing you know through the through the film she's really acting on her own moral compass she really thinks what she's doing is justified and right and you know that these heretic guardians of these sort of abominations and all that all that kind of stuff and um which I guess the other thing about James is he never writes outright villains. He always puts them in this sort of gray area where you where you kind of are intrigued by them and some of them, you know, for instance, Yondu, you really find moments where you really empathize, especially in this film, with them. Um, and in terms of my, my inspiration for her, apart from, you know, the great role that James had written on the script was... Um, I, was always, I always found a, a, a parallel between her and really powerful women in Greek mythology, actually. I, I thought that there were a lot of similarities between her and maybe, you know, Medea or Electra, Clytemnestra, all those kind of goddesses. I mean, she is a high priestess. There's that sort of epicness to her. And, and then also sort of something quite Elizabethan about her. I mean, definitely once I saw the character design, I thought, 
that was where you know my head went, and because there's, there's something sort of sort of European monarch about her, and right. and uh, yeah. And it's, you know, like an interesting component, a like core component of the Guardians franchise is that everyone has dysfunctions and, you know, how they are able to rise above it. But what we learned from, you know, Aisha and her, the sovereign people, is that they're the result of, like, crafting a perfect society. Um, mm. And, who, you know, like, they view any imperfection as a slight. Do you think that contributes as a weakness that they're so blinded by that? And, you know, if they're so perfect, why would they want to get their hands dirty with, um, you know the dysfunctional guardians or the ravagers. Right. It's a, it's interesting. I, I think it's, kind of, it's it's highly ironic that you present a character that's supposed to be genetically designed to be perfect, and yet they're so fallible, imperfect, and sort of, you know, and essentially failing at what they're setting out to do. And I think, you know, sort of as an actor, one of the joys of playing a role like that is if you start out on such a high horse, such a moral sort of high ground, you have so far to fall. And um, I suppose that's sort of how I viewed Aisha's journey, you know, what makes her, what makes her become sort of more human and more unhinged and what really pushes her buttons and, and sets her sort of going on this track of revenge and she does say you know it's heresy of the highest order I mean she really feels like what they're doing is the the most heinous insulting and she finds them abominable they're they're sort of repulsive to her anyone who's not sovereign is is you know sort of disgusting except Quill she's quite intrigued by him yeah. but uh, there's a really um, nice tongue-in-cheek moment with him do you think yeah. it's like that fascination's like related to pursuit of knowledge or does she see something perfect within him? I think that she's intrigued by the the sort of you know, the kind of she senses something in his genealogy that's really that's really unusual, which is basically foreshadowing in a way what we find out to be true through the course of the film. That he's not just human and something; he's human and something else quite profound. And I think that I, I always, I always read that moment that she sort of sniffs out power in a way. Her being such a powerful creature, she really is. Something is indicating in him that there's that there's much more beneath the surface than what he sort of presents to be. This kind of, you know, goofy human yeah. guy. I also really love that moment because it sort of feels like. For Aisha, even though he's sort of repulsive to her, she's in. She's fascinated by him, and I guess I like what it indicates about her that this sense of entitlement. That if she wants to take something, then she'll just take it. You know, um, you know, like yeah, was she just drawn to him for pursuit of knowledge, or? Oh yeah, no, I don't. I don't think it's it's knowledge, quote unquote. Well, it's a type of knowledge. I think she'd like to garner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just leave it there. Uh, and so what I really loved about the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 was this really diverse cast of women who all have different strengths and they're all powerful in like, their own right. Can you share what it was like, you know, like working with Zoe or Karen or Palm? Because I know you don't have interactions with all of them, but mm. were there ways that they inspired or challenged you while on, working on set? Well, I thought that Karen and Zoe were so incredible and wonderful and strong in that first film and, and really held their own. And 
And I was really aware, obviously, when I read the, the script, how much more developed they had become and the introduction of Mandy's and Aisha. And I really feel, feel like James and Kevin and Marvel are really championing these strong female characters. And within the universe, I mean, it, it, these women can exist and be larger than life and be just as strong as the male characters, just as driven. They can be leaders of planets and of races, you know. Yeah, like, and you that, need I love that about them. Prowess, but, you know, here's Aisha, like, leading this whole group of people. Yeah, and, and, and that's totally normal and accepted, and, and she's the strongest of all of them, you know. I think, um, you know, of, of, in terms of the sovereign, um, I think I, I didn't actually work with them too much. The only thing I really have with them is that first scene in the film when we're all together. Um, but I did... I was, I mean, I was so amazed and inspired by watching the cast work. The, the patience they have for the process of the makeup and the, and the shoot itself and the green screen work, they're so committed and, and, and engaged with one another and the spirit is really high on that set. And, you know, the first day at work, I, my makeup takes about two hours and, and Zoe's takes, you know, like 200 hours. <laughs> And I and I and she just was absolutely so zen about it, and and um, I that was definitely I have to say that was active advice I took with me through the process of shooting to just I can't remember exactly what she said, but she said you know just use it as a moment to rest or have a sleep or have a cup of tea or that was hugely valuable advice because otherwise I might have sat there sort of chewing on my fingernails, but. Um, but they're they're such wonderful actresses and women to work with, and and I was I'm, I'm yeah I'm really proud to be a part of that film. Yeah, and I know like the chemistry between you and the rest of the cast is you know like really it's really electric and very familiar. Do you have any favorite behind the scene mo- moments from working with um, them, like on the day that you guys were there? Mm, let me think. I did love. I mean the. The, the scene when I go to the the, the planet with the the, the brothel. Um, the snow and everything. Yeah, yeah, um, and all the ravages are there. And um, that was a pretty incredible day on set. One, because the set is almost fully built, and which was remarkable to see with snow and the bonfires and all the... all the, like, There were about 25 ravages in full makeup prosthetics, yeah. and then there were the fembots that looked insanely cool when you're up close. I mean, they really did look like like robots, yeah. Um, But that was a really amazing day because I'd never worked with Michael Rooker before and I'm a really huge fan. I think he's amazing and he's amazing in this film. So even though we had, I think we had, I think I had one or two lines to him and he didn't even have a line back, but um, (laughs) that was a, a highlight, just sort of being on set with him and, and and meeting him and and Sylvester Stallone was on set that day, so that was pretty cool as well. That's really awesome, and you know, like, and I do love that throughout the film, uh, you do see hints of Aisha's characters. You know that she does, you know, like laugh and that she finds humor in you know the Ravagers' names and um, you know just that she can hold up the banter with Peter Quill. Uh, mm-hmm. For fans who may not be familiar with Aisha, what do you want them to take away from after seeing the film? Well, I suppose I, I would like them to be 
as intrigued by Aisha as I am because I think, for me, there's a dichotomy of what she presents and the power and the sort of epicness of her presence and what's underneath and what she wants and what she desires and, and who she sort of really is. And I feel like you get to see that in the film and maybe there's more to come, but, you know, I feel like I'm... I'm that's what I'd like them to take away, that she's not a villain, that she kind of exists as a strong, powerful creature mm-hmm. who's trying to sort of do right by her people, but also that she's she's sharp, you know, and she has wit and she's intelligent. And Yeah, that's um, My last question is, um, we know that the Guardians will return again in the future. Are there mm-hmm. other storylines or character aspects that you would like to um, explore with Aisha? I I feel that I would like her to... I feel that what could be interesting with Aisha is the way that she seeks revenge because, I mean, we, the tag thing that sort of, you know, introduces Adam and I feel that there's, there's sort of a storm brewing in her and I'm, I'm really fascinated by how that might get released yeah, and what length she might go. <laughs> yeah, literally, <laughs> which I love. Um, but I, I suppose I'm interested in the sort of the lengths that she might go and and I feel like everything in Aisha is is very repressed. So as an actor, what's fascinating to me is to see how, how she could sort of explode rather than implode, I suppose, in terms of her story and her arc and, right. and what she's willing to do for, for her sort of sense of justice. Yeah, no, I would love to see that as well. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Pleasure. Right, have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye, bye.